Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Robot Building Supplies helping you get the right products for the job at a better price. Happy New Year from Neil Phillips and his team at Berwick BMW. Your new BMW awaits. The run home. Ah, g'day and welcome to the run home. Live, for me anyway, from Royal Packenham. I'm sitting out here at Sportsbet Packenham Racecourse about to do some duties after the show. But before then, I welcome my esteemed colleague, the man who decided not to come with me to Packenham. He decided not to go to Melbourne. He decided he got a sniff of the commentary box down there (laughs) at GMHBA Stadium and he said, that'll do me. Uh, And I know he's there because I can hear the... The, uh, the, the, the sores and the all sorts of things going on in the background. I've run out of um, tools because I don't know much about handiwork. Uh, <laughs> on speaking of the 2000 and something Brownlow medalist, the great Adam Kearney. Uh, good afternoon, Adam. 2008, Joshy boy. I'll get there you one day. that from... Uh, tomorrow on, you've you've had two cracks at it. I'll let I'm you. I'm off. off tomorrow. But tomorrow, oh, oh yes, you are too. You don't work Fridays, which is very nice. Yeah, back down at the Cattery. It was so gorgeous sitting here with you yesterday. I thought I'd come back, although I could have got the uh, Queenscliff to Sorrento ferry over and joined mm. you at Royal Packenham. It would have been quicker than driving around the bay. But there's a little bit happening at the moment. The the turf's been laid out in the middle, so the Cats boys should be back on deck training by next week. It's looking uh, magnificent down here. And you're right, there's some there's some excavators, there's some concrete being cut, there's a few right. jackhammers floating around. So I think they might have made a mistake with one of the uh, pillars of the grandstand because oh, no. they're actually trying to cut it down. So that could delay the 40,000-plus that could be heading in to the stadium at the end of 2023. Well, that sounds dramatic. Hopefully they haven't done that because uh, they're, they're rather large pillars and they'll take a, a rather large saw to chop them down. I had a few dramas of my own, Adam. I was, uh, of course, got some duties after the show out here at Packenham, so I thought I'll bring the codec, which is a little, you know, mobile device that we do radio from, but it relies upon internet. Re- relies upon a Wi-Fi connection or a, or a cable into the wall. And I was about 15 minutes away from Packenham, so a fair way from oh. Melbourne and a long way from where you are. And I got the phone call saying everything is down. All Wi-Fi internet, down. all Wi-Fi, no hotspot on your phone. It's all down. So I was driving around the Macca's car parks and the servos <laughs> looking, for, looking for a little bit of cellular range. But thankfully, things are okay. And um, I've made it here in one piece. And... Hopefully, uh, we'll be able to be on air for all two hours. And if we are, we've got a couple of great guests. Catherine Coleman's going to join me right here at Packenham. Uh, She's the co-trainer, soon-to-be co-trainer, with the great Peter Moody. Of course, Peter Moody trained Black Caviar, who was uh, perfect, the perfect racehorse. Never, ever was beaten in a race. So Catherine Coleman's going to join us to talk about There's a... A lot of people are carrying on about what's happening up north, uh, Coons, with the Magic Millions and uh, a a one-year-old horse. A yearling was sold for $2.6 million yesterday. $2.6 million. But at the other end of uh, the spectrum, where you and I reside, that sort of money is just laughable. So what they've done out here at Pakenham is they've put on a... 
they've put more money into maiden horses, so horses who have never won a race, yep. giving them an opportunity to win a race and win a bit more money. So uh, Catherine will join me at four, or join us, but she'll join me here at Packingham after four. And then the one, the only, and I mean the one, the only, he's been running his mouth, he's been saying some absolutely extraordinary things. Corey Homicide Williams of the NBL fame, he's going to join us uh, about 420 and join us all the way through to 5 o'clock because some of the things he's been going with Coons, I mean, seriously, he needs a slap in the face. <laughs> oh, that's aggressive. Well, if, sort of I was a... in the, if I was in the house with him, I might give him one, but uh, we're going to go saying? back and give forth. Give me an example. Well, well, he thinks LeBron James wouldn't be able to average 30 points in the NBL. I mean, the, the greatest or, or second greatest player. He, he averages 30 in the NBA. And, and Corey, homicide, he thinks he wouldn't average 30 uh, in the NBL. That's one of the uh, nonsensical things he's been coming up with uh, in the past week or so. So we'll speak to Corey about that at about 4.20. He's also been uh, very, very uh, outspoken, which is uh, no surprise for him, about the Brisbane Bullets and their woes. And they were beaten by Fiddy last night. Fiddy! Unbelievable stuff. They were putrid last night. So looking forward uh, to that. But most of all, Coons, as always, the 40 Wings Temper Techs, get involved. 0433 98 11 16. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Wings, serious about sleep. And Temper, consumer's choice winner. Temper uh, mattresses, pillows, and adjustable bases conforms to the exact, exact shape of your body. Or you can give us a call. Even better. Jump on the King Island Tourism Talkback line. Play King Island. Uh, play King Island's Pure Links Golf Courses. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. So, what have you been doing? You saved an hour last night. You saved an hour today without your uh, commute. How have you spent it? I wasted all of it by just sitting on my ass oh. doing nothing. No, I got on the Husqvarna uh, and uh, did a little bit of uh, mowing. Really? In the yard last night. I, I knocked that over. I had some. I had lunch with a. A mate um, this morning, uh, just before coming in, and yeah, just morning, you know morning what I did? lunch. Yep, I makes spent sense. Th- I spent three hours just researching and preparing for uh, our show today. Oh That's yeah, that's what I did. So I'm um, all across oh, uh, yeah. everything that Catherine Coleman's been doing and, and homicide. Yes. It's funny that he might not be too far off the mark, homicide, with the, what you're claiming is an outrageous call about oh, LeBron seriously. James because Don't Luka Doncic he was being interviewed only a few days ago and saying how easy it is to score in the NBA compared to the Euro League and some of the other leagues around the world. Because uh, defence isn't um, one of the key no. pillars, you would say, no. in the NBA. Whereas no. he might find it a bit tougher to break through the paint in the NBL. Well, it might be two against one. Two against one. Corey Williams and Adam Kearney against me. Uh, who'd have ever thought those two would team up? But... Uh, uh, yesterday at the end of the show, we spoke at the start of the show about our love of soft drink. And at the end of the show, we got onto the topic of coffee. Now, uh, you uh, made this startling, unbelievable, unforgivable statement <laughs> that you can go weeks at a time without having a single coffee. Uh, I'm a, I'm a three-a-day operator. But after the show, uh, Majak Door former Melbourne and North Melbourne ruckman, defender, forward, played all over the utility. place. Utility. Yes, utility in the truest uh, sense. He jumped on the uh, social media and he said, he just got in touch and said, boys, you need to get your uh, coffee in order. Uh, he said to me, please drink coffee in its truest form. No latte, which I've gone off. It's either a double 
espresso or a long black and short black. So Mad Jack is... I said, okay, long black's good enough for me. I'm hearing you. And he just wrote back, no, double espresso. So, <laughs> Well, that's I'll not tell true, you though, what. because you tried to claim that you drink a long black, but you add milk to it, which, yeah, ex- long black it, which takes milk. away, which takes away the, the very source of a long black, which is to have no milk. Yeah, yeah. You're just having yeah. a double shot coffee a with a touch of milk. shot. Uh, well, okay, let's call it that. I'm going to have a double shot with a touch of milk. That's 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 my that's you. Uh, coffee involvement. I tell you, I got the desperate uh, times call for desperate measures, and now everyone's out, out here at Packenham's a little bit busy with the the issues with the internet and the phone line. So I thought, oh, it's a bit rude if I ask them to get me a coffee. Uh, so I went to the I went to the kitchen here at at uh, at Packenham Racecourse, and it's this facility is pretty brand Gorgeous new. Enough. It's incredible. Um, I thought. Okay, here's a here's a here's a cup. Here's some instant coffee. No kettle. No uh, no uh, you know the in new taps Ice where it's coffee. got boiling water, instant boiling water. None don't have one of those. So I just let the hot water run for a little while and got it as as hot as possible and used that. Um See, that would have hurt mistake. you, given that you're such nah. a coffee snob. Yeah, that was a blunder. As soon as I just put a dash of milk in there, the water was was lukewarm. So that's how far I'll go. Now, my body thinks it needs coffee that badly to go to those extremes. What is it lengths, about coffee that that people love I don't so know. Much. I don't understand yeah. the fascination, the the addiction to coffee. And Every coffee that I've had tastes the same. Oh, my God, Father. <laughs> well, I mean, there's, there is a fascination. It's, like it's real. Wine. What you're saying is real. People, yeah, I'm with you on that. People believe that, 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 that coffee is just needed to get through each and every day. So... Let us know what is what. Uh, do you care about coffee? Is there a difference? Are you with Adam Kearney? Is there no difference? All coffees taste the same, or do you have something specific? Uh, a few of the Cats boys drink a Magic, which is like a bit of a half and half. Magic. Um, I'd never heard of it until I got to Geelong, but uh, seems like all the local um, uh, baristas and 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 waitresses and then waiters know what's going on. But let us know. Magic oh four double three. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen on the forty wings temper text. What 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 what's your what coffee? What is it about coffee? What's why, your take? Why, well, how how do you have do to it? Have four or five coffees a day, but because uh, apparently it sort of lifts your mood, it makes you give you a little bit more energy. But then some people can have a coffee and then go to bed. Yes, well that's a strange isn't one, the isn't it? Isn't caffeine supposed to kick your nervous system into gear and keep you awake and keep you alert and energized? Well, how can that be? Then someone has a coffee just before bed. Well, I, I think used it's to, all um, a bit of a myth, really, this coffee business. I used to take it... Oh, jeez, you're trying to bring down an empire. I used to uh, polish off a couple of the um, caffeine tablets just before a game of footy. And then, and, and then I decided, well... And I sp- went to the dietitian. And uh, about nine years in, I realised we had a full-time dietitian. And I <laughs> went to her and said, well, why don't I just have a coffee? 15 minutes before the game. So that's what I end up doing. I end up throwing an order in and just getting a coffee 15 or 20 minutes before we'd run out for our warm-up. So um, I don't know. It's For some people, it might be placebo. But as you said, friends of mine, they uh, sorry, parents of friends of mine, they, they drink coffee before bed at 9.30, 9.45, and then go straight in the cot. So I don't know how that works. But uh, sure I guess d- different strokes for different folks, Adam. Everyone's a little bit different. So Ben off the temper text says, what you're drinking is officially called a macchiato. No, no. See, this is wrong. This is, is where incorrect? you've led. This is where you've led people up the garden path. 
because a macchiato and a and a and a short black, I'm that's hardly any uh, liquid. I have a, a a full cup, a full large cup or a mug of liquid. Now it's all basically water and coffee, and then I so put you have the, the double smidgen. shot. You have no, the double think, shot, and then you yes. put water after yes. the double shot. Yeah, well, it comes out together, Adam. That's kind of how it works when it comes out of a coffee machine. It all comes add, out together. You don't add extra water after your two shots. No, no, no. But yeah, but well, it fills up a cup. It fills up a whole cup, and then I put a little smidgen of water on top. I mean, it, it would really make things a lot simpler if I just showed you what I. Uh, the next time we're together, I'll just bring a long black, and what I call is a long black, and well, it's not. I'll just I'll just show you what it is. That'll make things. <laughs> Uh, a lot easier, but people. It's a. I tell you what. It's a cultural thing in Melbourne, especially in Sydney. Going out for coffee of a Sunday morning, even breakfast at cafes as a whole. It's really. I don't know what it is, but over the past twenty twenty five years, it seems like the whole coffee and and breakfast uh, business has just boomed. It's a lifestyle, isn't it? Like not not once in my life between the ages of zero and seventeen. Well, maybe mm. 19, after I even started playing AFL, did I ever go out for to meet someone for a coffee? Maybe it's an Adelaide right. thing. Maybe we just, just used to, yeah. used to, things go, are, used to go for having, a West End draft. But <laughs> Having lived in Adelaide, things are a little bit slower uh, over in that part of the world, no doubt about it. Uh, Matt's jumped on the line. He's on the road and wants to tell us about a coffee doco. So, uh, Matt, thanks for calling. And just help us out with this coffee discussion, please. There you go, boys. Uh, it wasn't actually a documentary on coffee. It was about sleep. And uh, this one you mentioned before about how some people will have a coffee before they go to bed. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually did a, a test during this, this show. It was a Michael Mosley. He's done a few good docos. And um, they did a test with some people, and they made them drink caffeine right before they went to bed. But the trick is you've got to actually get into bed and get to sleep before the caffeine kicks in. Ah, you actually, right. You actually, you actually get a better quality night's sleep. Right. Okay. Well, uh, Matt, thanks for that because that does uh, that that does jig my memory because I remember when we did a really strong sleep study when I was a young player and one of the, the discussions was if you are a coffee drinker, don't drink it after four o'clock and these types of things. But I remember they told us when if you want to have a, a, a naps, then having a coffee right before a nap is actually when you come out the other side of the nap. Uh, okay, wake up. Uh, you you actually feel uh, a lot better, so that makes sense, Matt. I appreciate that. Al's in Airport West. He wants to talk to us about coffee as well because it's so so popular. Al, welcome to the run home. G'day, gents. JJ, love your work, but uh, mate, come on, long black with milk. Um, yes. That yeah, that's just not a long black, mate. It would, <laughs> yes. that, would, that, would be a, that would be a long. I don't know, light, uh, tan white or something like that. Honestly, it's, it's not a long, long black, black has, with you there. Long black has no milk. But it, the difference between a, a double espresso, basically, and a long black, black is you have extra water. So yes. um, a double espresso is a double shot. Long black is generally a double shot as well, but it has more water in it. If you're adding a dash of milk, mate, then you're almost having a, you know, a white coffee or a latte or whatever, but not maybe not a latte because latte is mostly milk. But um, yeah, good, the, good the whole the whole idea about uh, people drinking uh, coffee before they go to bed. Uh, talk from experience with a lot of my family and Mediterranean. They basically do have coffees before they go to sleep, but that's all about building up a tolerance. 
So right. you can actually drink coffee for the majority of your life. Um, and if you start drinking it later and later, you drink more and more, you drink it later and later, it doesn't really have that effect on you as much as it would. You know, if you take a... Now, if you don't drink coffee for about a month and you try that, you'll probably struggle going to sleep. So it's all about the tolerance you build up. Makes sense, Al. Makes sense. You've uh, pretty much ended our discussion for us because you've given us all the answers and we wanted to just drip feed this throughout the two hours. But we appreciate your phone call and uh, that certainly helps. I'm going to have to come up with a new name, Goons, for my coffee because well, I, I there's understand... A... There's a what? Well, surely there's a barista out there that's listening mm-hmm. to us at the moment, listening to oh, us be, turkeys be, gobble on, gobble, gobble, gobble about coffee, and surely <laughs> they've got the answers as to what beverage you are producing, unless you've just made it up yourself. You could call it the Milky JJ. Well, oh, that sounds all right. Uh, we'll copyright that. I just think it's a long black with a dash of milk. But anyway, who knows? Uh, this is the, this is the tradies hour for Ace Gutters, Australian-made, built to last. Catherine Coleman's going to join us after 4 o'clock. The assistant trainer to Peter Moody. And then the one, the only, Homicide Williams. This is the run home. Back with plenty more on the other side. I was just following the rules, you know. My, my exemption was verified by an independent uh, body uh, and panel of doctors. So uh, it was unknown, you know, who was uh, handing or giving the request. Uh, and, I, and I came in with all the valid papers. All of a sudden I became the villain, you know, of the world, which, which was uh, obviously a terrible position to be in. As, as, as an athlete, as someone that is looking to obviously thrive in its own area, in its own, its own so to say, uh, direction of, of life and profession. Um, but that's something that I, I, I guess I had to learn how to handle. Uh, that was uh, Novak Djokovic, of course, the uh, superstar who was speaking about you know, last year's um, issues around him not being allowed to play in the Australian Open and all the drama that surrounded that. That was him speaking on Channel 9. Uh, Adam Kearney, there's a, an interesting uh, little uh, development in terms of what's happening in the tennis world with a, with a centre court practice match between our King Kyrgios, Nick Kyrgios and Novak, which is uh, which sold out, if you can believe this, a practice match sold out uh, in 58 minutes. And Pat Cash, he was less than impressed with, you know, in, in, in his words, Australia, uh, Tennis Australia bending over backwards, and that was the, the words that he used uh, to look after these two. But I think, in terms of this practice match, I think it's a great thing. It drums up more interest for the tournament. It, it gives people an opportunity to see these guys play. I, I can't really see a downside to them doing this. What's your take on it? Well, I don't see an issue with it whatsoever. Whatever can draw attention to the sport and get bums on seats. And obviously, people like to see the best in the world go at it. Novak has been the best in the world for... Uh, a long time now so and Kyrgios when he's at his finest he's one of the best and most exciting players Mm. in the world what I don't like is the sort of half quasi bromance that these two have struck up (laughs) over the last six months or so I would much have preferred them to be ultra villains the two of them because Mm. embrace it Novak is the ultra villain over here, whether he yep. likes it or not, because of what's happened in the past and just some of his behaviour, um, not even to do with the COVID vaccine um, in the past. I think um, yep. irks a few, 
uh, in the way that he lives his life and pretends that he, that he's this uh, nice person. Well, everyone knows he's a bit of a tool. I think we've worked that out <laughs> by now, Novak. So he should just embrace that. Kyrgios has embraced it. He's not happy yeah. with the Australian public. He said, what a disgrace it was that I've sold out another yes. uh, tennis match. So he's not happy. He's embraced it. He, he does uh, what he does and goes about his business. But I think it's nothing but great because it draws attention to the sport. And, um, two entertainers. Yeah, but I don't yeah. like this sort of friendship that they've struck up. I think uh, I'd much prefer it if they hated each other. Yeah, well, hopefully they uh, come to blows in this practice match. and that not 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 literally, just you know, verbally, and they start to dislike each other. Nick Kyrgios tweeted in reply to Pat Cash and others, wow, Nick Kyrgios is bad for the sport. Wow, what a disgrace. A national embarrassment. How dare he sell out another stadium? The arrogance. That was the tweet <laughs> that he put out last night. Do you but think that, he's, he's good for the sport? He's he's uh, he's good for the sport. In a, in a way, yes. In a way, yes. I... I I don't think he's bad for the sport. Uh, Kokonakis plays Ketsmanovic in the quarterfinal of the Adelaide International. And uh, that's tonight. Kokonakis is the defending champion. And make sure you listen to This Is Your Journey on Sunday from 10 a.m. Sam Edmund, the great man, pays tribute to Collingwood greater one of footy's great characters, Billy Picken. Joined by former teammate Craig Davis, who will be our special guest for this week. Thanks to Tobin Brothers Funerals celebrating lives. Plenty more coming up after 3.30. Adam Cooney's going to tell you the best five footballers at the end of 2023. Uh, Welcome back to The Run Home. Thanks for the news updates. Uh, Our man Andy from Terrelgan. I don't think I'm that... Coons, am I that far from Terrelgan? I have no idea where... Yeah, you're around the area. Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you've got no idea either. Uh, (laughs) Andy's jumped on the line, and he's our man from Terrelgan. Uh, Andy, I haven't spoken to you in 2023, so Happy New Year. Hopefully it started out uh, very nicely for you, great man. Yeah, Happy New Year to you too, JJ, and, and you too, um, Coons. Hey, Andy. Uh, uh, Andy, what, what have you got for us? What's your uh, question on a Thursday? You normally ring in on a Friday, but uh, I'm not here tomorrow. So what have you got for us? I'm sure it'll be a tricky one. Yes, it is a tricky one. Here we go, boys. Name me three of the best of the best greatest captains in Australian sporting history. Three, three of the best Australian captains in sporting history. I'll go first, Coons, and then you can go because you might need to think, Tom. Uh, Andrew Gaze, Cam yep. Smith of uh, Rugby yep. League fame, and... Uh, um, Andrew Gaze, Cam Smith, and Joel Selwood. Oh. Okay. I'll go yes. with um, Alan Border. Yes. <laughs> Luke Hodge. And yes. John John Bertrand. Excuse me? <laughs> he was the skipper of the America's Cup 1983. Oh, the the only one. In. Born in '89, mate. Got if it didn't happen after '89, I've got absolutely got a, no idea. No, uh, Andy, thanks for your call, mate. We'll speak to you each and every week nice work, throughout Andy. 2023. Uh, we we love Andy's phone calls. We love them, and we love everyone's phone calls. So if you want to jump on the line, make sure you do so on the King Island Tourism Talkback line. Play King Island Islands Pure Links. Golf courses and Coons, what's happening on the forty winks temper text? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Well, we've just got to tidy up this coffee debate and the chat. Okay, so, okay. what's coming through thick and fast now? I think we've got to the point where 
it is officially called a long macchiato. That is what you're consuming. So okay. It's your, it's your double with a little top-up of milk. It yep. is a long macchiato. And sometimes if you have a three-quarter and you top it up, it's called a long mac three-quarter. But that's the overwhelming um, number okay. of texts that have come through have been to do with you and a long macchiato. So no, you, can't long... Call it a, you can't call it a long black anymore because it's not black. Long macchiato. If I go to the cafe tomorrow and I ask for a long mac mm-hmm. and I get looked at like I'm a fool, I will be not happy. But I'll take it under advisement and uh, accept that for what it is. Uh, keep those coming through on the 40 Winks Temper Text. We love them. 0433981116. This is the Tradies Hour for Ace Gutters, Australian made, built to last. Now, uh, Coons, you like to throw. Of course, you know, throughout the morning when we're working together, you're clearly in the office uh, chipping away at what the show needs to look like, making sure every minute's accounted for. And you threw yep. out a text this morning to us, uh, to Will and, and, and I, who, um, who just go along for the ride and basically let you think everything up. The best players at the end of 2023 in the AFL. So the top five players at the end of this season. Yep. Um, where where have you landed? I, because there's always a couple of uh, swoopers and streakers and a couple who fall off the perch. So talk to us. Where have you landed? Well, first of all, when I was formulating my top five, I was looking straight to the midfield and then into the forward. Of course. Line. I did not once venture back behind centre. And I think most people would agree that the most valuable players and the be- the players that could be deemed the best players in the competition come from the midfield mm-hmm. and centre forward. So uh, it sort of got me thinking before we get to the top five, how how do we value defenders in terms of we're not there's probably none in the top ten in the competition yep. at the yep. moment. You'd, if you're picking a team. Are you going to pick the best key defender first or are you going to pick mm. the best key forward first? You're probably going to go with the guy who's going to kick you the goals. They yep. very rarely get brown low votes. They do finish really high quite regularly in best and fairest counts, which yes. shows that coaches love what they do. We often speak about the best defenders are the ones who attack as well. Mm. So like, I, I was... I was Toying with the idea of putting Tom Stewart in there. Okay. Because of how well Geelong are able to structure up around him behind the footy and how often yep. he thwarts um, attacking plays from the opposition and intercepts yep. and goes back the other way. I flirted with the idea of having Stephen May in the top five at the end of yep. 2023 as well because he can do both. Uh, do, yep. what, how, how, how do we value our key defenders uh, we Not don't enough. Val- no, we don't value them enough. Uh, I, I, I think we should value them even. I think we should do a better job in terms of coaching groups, acknowledge of them in, in, in BNF counts. I think not enough. I think too many of them fall through the cracks. I think about the years I played with Daniel Talia, who, despite the team defence and zones, so many times we play against a Tom Lynch, we play against 
you know, a Charlie Dixon would play against a Tom Hawkins and we'd say, look, Tails, we'll take care of the team defence. Can you just go and play on these big guys and get yeah. the job done? And yeah. and at his absolute best, I think he was a two-time All-Australian. He would do that, uh, yet he never – I think he won a BNF once, and but he, there were so many years where he thought, geez, he should have finished in the top two or three. But, yet, you know, those guys can just fall through the cracks. They only touch the ball eight or nine times. So I think – and the other place where I think they – uh, should be valued is by their peers. I think we don't, well, players, uh, when we were both playing, don't do a good enough job of, of acknowledging uh, those guys in the MVP awards and those types of things as well. I think we, as players, always still get stuck and, and, and sucked into, oh, this guy averages 32, this guy averages 31. We still get sucked into that as players. Yeah, I agree. And that's why I made a little short list of, of defenders that I thought could possibly be in there, but I didn't. So, as I said, I had Stewart in there. I had Stephen May, who's probably the best sort of two-way key defender uh, in it. I had Braden Maynard as well, who yep. I just love the way that he goes about his footy. I think Nick Dacos, in terms okay. of... we And you just said we get seduced by guys having 30 and 35. Well, he's only going to get better and better and better. And we'll yep. eventually move into the midfield. But at halfback, he's had a stellar season. And James Sicily was the other one I had who... Um, who could be one of the best players in the competition by the end of 2023. But uh, I went with number five, Shy Bolton. Yes, I like it. Just And he's a guy who doesn't have to have 30 and 35 disposals to absolutely no. torch the opposition. He can have 15, and he might even kick two goals, but he'll take a hanger, um, a couple of big tackles, and, and give a few off. So he might kick two goals, three, and, and be the best player on the ground from 15 disposals. He is electric, yep. and I love what uh, he's doing with his career. Paddy Cripps came in at number four. Okay. Uh, the Brownlow medalist. That's all about his body and, and fitness with, with Paddy. If he stays fit, then he could be the number one player in the competition by the end of the season. We know how good he is. Number three, uh, I had Christian Petrarca, who had a, a great year, but it wasn't unbelievable. And it could have been unbelievable uh, mm. if he'd finished some of his work forward. And if he turns that around um, next season, what he can do in the midfield and how powerful he is when he goes forward. If he uh, gets, he just works out his kicking, uh, again, he, he could go to another level, which would be unbelievable. Number two, and I've had faith in this guy for a very, very long time. I've picked him in every pre-season prediction to win the Brownlow for the last three or four years. And he should get there in 2023. Marcus Bontempelli. There's ah. nothing, stop, nothing stopping him at all. Maybe just his kicking. And, and a bit similar to Petrarca, he's, he's kicking for goal. Those yeah. two players, if they sort that out, well, look out. But I just, yeah, I, I admire the way that, that he plays his footy. He's an unbelievable leader. Um, pretty measured guy, too. Uh, one of the nicest characters you'll meet. And hopefully he wins a Brownlow in 2023. Number one, who I had the, as the best player in the competition in 2022. Uh, being mentored by some of the, the greats down at the Cattery too in, in terms of the uh, part-time coaches they have down there, and that's Jeremy of course. Cameron. Ah, okay, there you go. Um, I'll, I've just quickly compiled mine. I haven't spent as much time as you have because... Um, no, you probably have. But been doing other things. Uh, John from Taylor's Lakes jumped on the line. He wants to talk about, uh, hopefully, a little bit more respect for defenders in the AFL. John, thanks for jumping on the line. G'day guys, how are you going? Good job. Yes, uh, we're going well. Uh, you want to talk about the defenders and potentially the lack of respect that they get? Yeah, I do, I do. And I, I believe they do get a very uh, a very harsh lack of respect. But I think in regards to uh, piling Brownlow, though, 
it comes to do where it's say for a person like um, you two guys were giving votes at the end of the game. Mm-hmm. I think with your football knowledge, you guys would um, identify someone in the back line that's actually won the game for their team. Someone like Tom Stewart, I'm not a Geelong supporter, but someone like Tom Stewart, week in, week out, take Reed play the way he does, stops attacks himself, and then beats his opponent as well. If that's not worth three votes, um, and, and you know, it goes a long way to winning the game for his team. And it's just... It's just you've got to have people giving votes that actually understand the game. Um, and, and umpires, I think the quality of umpiring, well, when it's, when it's, it's good, um, mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean that those guys are the right people to be able to give the best player on the ground the three votes. And I just think someone with a, a better uh, football knowledge of playing yep. uh, and coaching... Is um, is needed for, for Brownlow votes because I reckon if we had been giving Brownlow votes in the last 50 years, there'd be at least 10, 15 backmen that would have won the Brownlow. Uh, we like it, John. I uh, I I don't know. I haven't thought about it enough as to whether I agree, but uh, certainly the sentiment is that the defenders need a little bit more uh, love. Uh, Kearns, let's get to a break because Adam's in Croydon. He's going to hang on for us and we're going to talk about uh, more respect for the defenders. People are uh, fired up about this. You've, you always know how to strike a chord with our listeners here on SEN. This is the Tradies Hour for Ace Gutters, Australian made, built to last. Hang in there, Adam. We'll get to you right on the other side. Uh, welcome back to the run home. We're here for Berwick BMW. Start your year in our new BMW and Blundstone. Rotoflex by Blundstone. Stability meets the freedom to move. Adam in Croydon, I promise we'd get straight to you and that's exactly what we'll do. You want to talk about the respect or more respect needed for defenders? Yes, I do. Good day. How are you? We are both going well. I'll speak on behalf of Adam. We're both going well. Uh, Talk to us about what we need to do to give these defenders a bit more love. Well, basically, at the end of the day, when a goal kicker kicks a goal, it's, it's created by the backman. You know, um, so basically, if if a goal kick, if a goal has been kicked, it's been it's been originated. If a point's been kicked, and it goes to the the, the full forward. Well, he's he's the he's the, he's the hero because he's kicked the goal. But it's always always started from the backman. Yes, it is not always Coons, but. I, I understand the sentiment that often, uh, especially in modern footy coons, that uh, a lot of goals come from the back half. Yeah, they certainly do. And there has been some discussion about whether or not we should have an individual award for a defender. Like, uh, well, we have the, the Coleman, the Brownlow is basically a midfielder's award. Should we have a, an individual award on Brownlow night that is given to the best defender in the league? I have a sneaking suspicion that it would go to a attacking yeah. half-back uh, rebounding half defender who averages 30. 32. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have that's a sneaking right. suspicion that might be the case. So maybe you'd have to limit it to 195 centimetres and above. <laughs> I think you should uh, limit it to you need to average less than 18 disposals. There you go. The, the, those who actually truly... Defend Michael's in Essendon. He wants to speak about the same topic. Uh, good afternoon, Mick. G'day, guys. Um, you had a call on before saying the umpires shouldn't be given the Brownlow votes, and you're letting go on and on and on. 
yet five minutes before that, you'd actually said that the players are no good at giving you know, at, um, mm. the right respect for the backmen, that the clubs don't give it because they don't win best and fairest. So why would you let him go on and on saying the umpire shouldn't be doing it when you're saying yourselves don't do it and the clubs don't do it? So, uh, you know, I just don't... I'm sick and tired of this saying that the umpire shouldn't be giving it. The, the media awards go to the midfields. All these awards go to the yes, midfields. Yes, they do. Players mm. Association go to the midfields. And... And, oh, surprise, surprise, the Brownlows go to the midfielders as well. Um, well, just... yes. No, I, I appreciate the call, Michael. And, and to be honest, I think a lot of the awards go, and they have done for a long time, so you might be able to counter this, Coons. But the, mid, the, the, the awards go to the midfield because largely because of the way the game is played. A, the game starts with uh, the midfield. But the, ga- the way the game is played these days, there's 120 stoppages. So that's why the midfielders are involved a lot more than the backs and forwards. So largely, we are all guilty of the same thing, but the game is also lending itself to those types of players. Yeah, well, I, I did say earlier that I, I think coaches um, and, and footy clubs, in terms of best and fairest, they do value and put a high um, emphasis on um, on voting for those sort of lesser lights and the, and the key defenders. I mean, um, Dylan Grimes is a perfect example who I think the footy world gives him a lot of respect, but um, yep. I'm, I'm assuming he quite regularly finishes in the top four or five in Richmond's best and fairest. Dale Morris, when he played, wouldn't have won many uh, awards or got any uh, many um, votes in terms of his peers and other players, but always finished high in the best and fairest because of how well he was and how, how highly he was rated by coaches and, and he would average probably eight or nine disposals Again, Brian Lake won a couple uh, of yep. best and fairest, um, and a norm and, and, a, and a norm Smith. So I mean, they they do win them every now and then. But um, and Michael, everyone, we, we let everyone have a have an opinion on here as well. Whether we yeah, so I'm not into the not. We, I'm not into cutting cutting people to. off unless it's utter nonsense, which uh, never is. Uh, we're going to get to a quick break because we're approaching four o'clock. And on the other side, we're going to speak to Catherine Coleman and then Corey Homicide-Williams, the hurricane, the cyclone that is Corey Williams, will join us. So uh, stick with us. Plenty more. Luke Shaw looking to place it for Bruno Fernandes across to Rashford. 3-0 and three points for Manchester United. Uh, It's Derby weekend as the Premier League returns from this Saturday. The only place you can catch it is on Optus Sport. So that means you need Optus Sport on Saturday night. It's the Manchester Derby. Some say the Derby, some say the Derby. United versus City from 11.30pm. There's an East Midlands Derby between Nottingham Forest and Leicester City from 2am Sunday morning. Jeepers creepers. You've got to be keen to get up at 2am, but some people do it. Then... The big one in the early hours of Monday morning, table-topping Arsenal travel to Tottenham. A-Rod will be up and about in the wee hours, mate. No doubt about that. Don't miss a second of Premier League action. Only on Optus Sport. Optus Sport, we love it. Get involved. We'll be back after the 4 o'clock news with Kath Coleman, the co-trainer with Peter Moody out here at Packenham, and Corey Homicide. William. Uh, welcome back to the run home. Josh Jenkins and Adam Cooney driving you home. Four minutes past four. And Coons, we've been joined by Kath Coleman, who is the soon-to-be uh, co-trainer of uh, Peter Moody, the great Peter Moody, who 
as we mentioned earlier, trained Black Caviar, the horse that never lost a race. Now, uh, Kath, welcome to the run home. Thanks for joining us. I know you're busy. You've been up early, and we'll ask about that. You've got to run it tonight. But uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes. Pleasure. Oh, I think I've got you turned on. But oh, no. Uh, I mean, I'm not... I'm not um, you spoke, you I'm got, not a, uh, the host, the tech guru. You haven't turned the mic on. Oh, have another. Kath, have, another. have we got Kath's you now, Kath? How's that? To do. Hey, we're on. Kath. Can you hear? Yeah, we're, look, Coons. I mean, I can, uh, can only do so many things. I've written up questions for you to ask, and I forgot to turn the <laughs> mic on. But, Kath, thanks for coming and joining us for a few minutes. Um, uh, first question. Now, not everyone who listens to, to SEN 1116 knows a lot about horse racing. The first thing is, what time was the alar- What time did the alarm go off this morning? Two forty-five a.m. this My morning. My Godfather. Two forty-five. When was the last time you got up at two forty-five, Coons? Well, I've been up at two forty-five <laughs> quite regularly, but I it's said, on my when way did you to bed. get up? <laughs> no, it's been a very long time. So, what time do you have to go to bed then, Kath? Yeah. Well, it sort of depends. I'm not going to lie. There's probably a couple of days during the week where I might be asleep relatively early. Um, but you know, you can't sort of let it interfere with your life too much. You've still, you know, still go out for dinner and do things like that. So um, last night, I reckon I probably went to bed about nine o'clock, yeah. up at two forty-five at the stables by three thirty, and uh, into it. Wow. So you're 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 um, in control at the moment because. Uh, Pete's up on the Gold Coast uh, with uh, the Magic Millions trying to, you know, secure horses and and, uh, handle clients and all those sorts of things. So you're in charge at the moment. So has it been any different here without him, you know, throughout the week out at Packenham? Because for those that don't know, there's a whole heap of trainers who, who, um, who train their horses out here. So bit more uh, bit more uh, work for you this week without him yeah definitely he's so hands-on still around the stables he um, probably does the work of about 10 men I'm hoping he's not listening to this because I don't want to boost his ego too much but um, no whenever he's away it's always um, you know there's always a bit more for me to do around the place but um, he's up there doing an important job and he's bought us some really nice horses up there as well so 2.45, your alarm goes off. You have your Whitbicks at, say, 5 <laughs> to 3. You get into the stables at 3.30. What happens from there? Surely the horses don't want to get up at 3.30 and go for a trot. <laughs> <laughs> They're all getting hungry by that stage. They want their Whitbicks as well. So, um, you know, get in there at 3.30 and it's just sort of checking things, making sure that nothing's uh, nothing's gone on during the night that it shouldn't have around there and um, getting a few things organised and then our first lot of staff start to come in and, um, you know, we get the first lot of horses out and, and ready to go on the walker, which is part of their warm-up before they head out to the track or the treadmill or whatever their exercise program is for the morning. So, um, you know, it's all go from there. It's it's very scientific now, isn't it, training horses? It's very similar to, to AFL footy in the sense that, uh, you know, and you can talk to this, you've got treadmills and swimming pools and GPS monitors and all these different types of things. So it's come a long way in terms of the way you can monitor the horses and, and, and be able to track their movements. And you basically know every single thing that they do at all times. Yeah, it has definitely come on in a scientific manner. We're actually probably pretty old school at Moody Racing in that regard. I know some other stables, you know, Yamara and Eustace, um, Chris Waller and, and some of those really big operations there right into the scientific side of it. We, uh, like I said, a bit more old school still. We just prefer to keep things simple. Um, being a smaller stable, we probably don't have to rely on that side of things too much because we are running our eye over the horses themselves every day and mm. seeing them. And um, like I said, Pete's so hands-on that we probably don't rely on technology as much as some other stables. 
What's the best way to work out a horse's best distance, Kath? Is it just trial and error? Do you, do you know now after working with a horse for, for a couple of weeks generally what distance it's going to run over the ground best? Well, you've probably got a bit of a preconceived notion from their breeding as to what their um, preferred distance is going to be. But the horses themselves, they let you know in their own ways as they're training up and as they're heading towards their, their – through the education um they head to the jump outs or the trials which you know that's when you sort of start to get a real good guide of where they're at whether they've got that sharp sprinting turn of foot or whether they can sort of maintain a high cruising speed which might lead towards them being more of a staying type and um so yeah, it's all just as their education progresses they basically... uh, i'll ask about i wish i win and chain of lightning in a moment uh, two of my favorites uh, I wish I win won the Golden Eagle, $10 million race, which I'm sure was fantastic. But at the other end of the spectrum, and, and that's why I'm out here tonight, and uh, the, the, the Sports Bet Maiden series, the Future Stars series, a lot of the money, we hear about the Everest and the Golden Eagle, and we hear about, we hear about all the money that gets thrown at the top end of town and, and, and you. You know, the jurisdictions putting money into the All-Star Mile and that. But this is a really good concept for, for, for horses who have either struggled to win a race or smaller trainers, smaller stables to be able to get an opportunity to race for increased prize money as well. Yeah, definitely. It's it's a, a massive incentive having these for a maiden, um, which, you know, for those that don't know, is a horse that hasn't won a race before. So um, in saying that, this field tonight or these fields tonight yeah. have attracted a really <laughs> yeah. strong field and, you know, they probably are going to attract some of the bigger stables as well because of that draw card of having the, um, the $75,000 prize money. But it's just exciting in the fact that it's attracted, you know, some, some really good trainers, some yep. really good jockeys, um, which, you know, normally you might not see here at Parkinham on a Thursday night. But uh, tonight, you know, we're yeah, pretty, pretty lucky to see this quality of field and, and some of these jockeys down for it. And I did ask uh, uh, about, um, or I did mention, sorry, I wish I win and Chain of Lightning. Uh, where, when will we see, of course, you know, spring to autumn happens pretty quickly. The horses don't get much time for a bit of a rest, but when will we start to see those two horses uh, back at the trials and all races? Yeah, so they're both probably a couple of weeks off heading back to the trials. Um, they'll have a nice gallop on Tuesday morning. They've just been going through their, their pace work and building their fitness, and then they'll have uh, their first more serious gallop of the preparation on Tuesday, um, and then the following week they'll be ready for a soft trial. So, Kath, you've got one runner at Pakenham this evening, uh, race two, number 10, Scapini. I was, I'm not a, a huge gambler, not a big better on the horses, but I was at the cricket day three in a corporate box. We had 12 blokes in there, and we all loaded up on Scapini uh, at Mornington, and it ran second. Mm. So we were Responsibly, very of course. About that, uh, no, you don't. You you can roll out the responsible gambling. I don't have to do that because I'm not connected. I'm not affiliated, JJ. I can bet however I want. <laughs> I want if I want to be reckless, I can. But Scapini just uh, it finished oh, second. Um, what are we expecting uh, later on this evening? Well, if you'd got the good mail that day, you might have realised that she probably just needed that run and it would have topped her right off for tonight. So maybe if you'd held off, oh, you might have no. got a might have got a better price tonight. But uh, <laughs> anyway. thanks for that. Oh well, uh, ultra that's late mail. That is. To know that you threw your uh, threw your money away. Uh, I mentioned yeah, at the moment assistant trainer. Is that the right term? And uh, you were saying before we jumped on air that as the new season ticks over later in the year, you'll be co-training. What, what does that mean to you? It's not really going to change that much, I guess, except for the what's on the paperwork. But what will that mean to you to be an official co-trainer with, particularly with Peter Moody, who's 
you know, one of the most prominent trainers that's been in the game for the past 20, 30 years. Yeah, you know, day to day, it won't change much. You know, um, we'll still very much just be in the same little routine that we are at the moment. But, um, you know, it means so much to me to be given that opportunity. It's Pete, someone that I, you know, grew up watching. Yeah. I remember getting up in the middle of the night to watch Black Caviar race yeah. in, at Royal Ascot. And, you know, if you'd told me back then that few years down the track I'd be you know given this opportunity to go into a training partnership with him I never would have believed it so it's just a dream come true for me. So he's splashing the cash at the moment up north Pete have you had uh, any uh, correspondence with him about some purchases that could be on the cards? Yeah, absolutely. Um, he's bought a couple of really nice horses already, a couple in conjunction with Wiley Dalziel Bloodstock, who we work very closely with uh, at Moody Racing. So if anyone's listening, then Wiley does a fantastic job of getting horses um, that are affordable and perhaps for, for first-time owners that are looking to get into it, um, Wiley does a really good job of finding um, yeah, affordable horses that, that generally go on to do a really good job. So um, like I said, we've got a couple with Wiley and then Pete's bought a couple um, just on his own, got a, a really well-bred I'm Invincible colt yesterday, which um, there was still 35% left of him late yesterday. So I'm not sure if there's uh, if there's still a bit floating around there, but um, he's uh, he's done a good job and he's picked up some really nice ones so far with hopefully a few more to come. So what's your, your role tonight? It's just to be around. You've only got the one runner, so it's nice and quiet. So you'll be able to uh, zip off home. I presume you, 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 you live close by or you need to live close by with... Uh, the horse and the sta- the horses and the stable here. So, do you get much time or opportunity for for a social life to to relax and to get away from from racing? We all talk about work life balance. Is there much work life balance when you're a trainer? Um, probably not in a, a normal person's eyes, mm. but you know it's a lifestyle, and we we do the job because we love it. Um, and you know it's it does get a little bit tricky this time of year when you've sort of got twilight meetings and night races mm. and it can all it does get a little bit busy but like I said at the same time it's a lifestyle and we're doing this job because we love it and that's why we're in the industry so um, no complaints here. Well Kath uh, thanks for coming in giving us 10 or so minutes we're um, tucked up in a little I thought I was going to be doing this show from a McDonald's car park so we've ended up in a good spot uh, good luck with your runner tonight it's just music to the ears that the horse wasn't quite ready uh, first up when Adam Cooney was uh, was has had his hard earned on hopefully you can get the win tonight but uh, either way uh, good luck for tonight and moving forward thanks for joining us thank you there's uh, Kath Coleman. We'll be back on the other side because I've got a feeling that Corey Homicide Williams is in the house. And if he is, we need to clear the decks because uh, he and I have got some uh, speaking to beef, do. So uh, quick break. We'll be, more, we'll be back with some beef on the other side. He's, he's set to join the group. So he's uh, all, all but done. Uh, just waiting on sort of final, final documents. But I'm um, very excited to, uh, to to have him coming on board and and looking forward to the, the impact he can have on the, on, on the organisation. He comes with a with a built-in audience. He's, uh, he's got an enormous uh, uh, media platform to, to work with. And, and, you know, we believe that, um, you know, a lot of Knicks fans are, are like-minded and, and they'll be basketball fans. And so being able to sort of lean on Nick and, and get him involved in, in the club and, and the marketing and promotion of games, um, I think is going to be is going to be big. Get it together, man. Get it together. How are we going? JJ's having some. Uh, we're doing our best, Corey. We're doing our best. Uh, that one on. The, oh, I mean, I should have brought someone down here with me. That was uh, that was Tommy Greer. 
speaking about Nick Kyrgios's involvement in the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix ownership. Now, Corey Homicide Williams, you spoke this into existence. You like to speak these things into existence. Now, you did have a little head start because you know Nick Kyrgios well, but what does this do for the NBL? How is this a good thing for the NBL? Tell us. First of all, I'd like to start off by saying Happy New Year to you gentlemen. First time I'm seeing you in Hang on. Uh, you too, Corey. 2023. It's, it's the 12th of January. It's my first time seeing you. you. <laughs> it is. It is. Correct. Um, I think that it's an incredible thing. I mean, he's a he's a basketball lover. You know, he tells you all the time, like, I'd play pro any day. Like, I'm a basketball player that just is professional at tennis. I think uh, mm. his passion, it's, it's due. It was well overdue for him to join an ownership group in the NBL. I mean, it just makes sense. Certain things just make sense, and this was one of them. Um, he is the hottest and one of the most talented, we know, um, tennis players in the world. And um, he's, he's been on an incredible run since the last year with he and, you know, obviously, I don't, I don't want to say his name wrong. The, the, the Thomas? Who's that? Coco. Coconacus. Kokon- Coconacus. Since they won the doubles championship in Australian mm-hmm. Open, he's yes. been on a miraculous run. And the fan base is growing for him personally. And a lot of his fans are basketball fans as well. He single-handedly, he's like AI of tennis. He's, <laughs> wow. he, he's just... Wow. Well, so it, it just makes sense for him and those fans to come on and roll with the Phoenix. They have an all-star studded ownership group. Their ownership group is they ridiculous. Do. And it makes sense. We'll, uh, they'll probably beat some teams in the league, and we'll speak about that soon. Uh, Brisbane Bullets. Uh, oh what God. about um, – what will he bring? We'll get to them. What will he bring to the table? We, I got a feeling – I don't know him as well as you do, and that's why I'll ask you. What will he bring to the table? I don't think he's going to sit back and just be a silent owner. He's going to want to be involved. So what, what's, what's he going to bring to the table? I mean, he's sure going to bring uh, a lot of passion. <laughs> that's for sure. But I just think um, it's just going to be like uh, without – I guess it'll be some good cross promotion going on with tennis as well. And but outside of that, it's going to that's the first of the dominoes to fall. The great thing about it is we know he's a tennis pro and now he's an owner in the NBL. There's going to be other successful professional athletes that's not basketball players coming in to jump on board with ownership. That's what I believe is going to happen. And it's, sometimes it it takes one person to do it, right? So I think after after this news drops, other people are going to want to be owners of NBL teams. Why would you want to be an owner of an NBL team? Why would you what want to the, be an owner the perks? of? I mean, what are the perks of being an owner of an AFL team? Well, you can't be an owner of an AFL team. The AFL loans everything basically, yeah. so yeah, it's a completely it's privatized the NBL what, compared what? to the AFL. But uh, is it like in terms of like financially? I'm guessing for say a, an NBL club like South East Melbourne may be worth ten mil, and if he wants ten percent, mm-hmm. he's up for a million dollars financially. Do you get a, a return on investment, or is it just purely because you can say I own an NBL team? I think that. Um, in a situation like this, it's a flex too. Like, come on, yeah. man. Like, I own yeah, a team. Yeah, yeah. Like, yes. come on. You know what I mean? So that's it. That's and it. That's what it's about. I don't think that's what it's about, though. But he's passionate in this sport that's growing. 
You know what I mean? Like the NBL is like one of the hottest leagues in the world outside the NBA. That's a fact. So if you can have an opportunity to be a part owner of a team in a sport that you are obsessed with, why wouldn't you? And it's also bringing you potential other businesses. That's that's why. Yeah, uh, why uh, do why do owners own teams? You know how much business they can get outside of the ownership. Yeah, so that's so a, many that's, an, that's an attractive feature. So Definitely, you, your, your business connections. But is there a, so there's not a like a, a return on your investment unless Southeast Melbourne in 15 years time are worth 20 million dollars and he doubles his initial investment in that. You don't actually get a, a share of profit or anything like that. Well, I'm not share. I'm not in their books, so I don't know that aspect of it. But I, I am more than sure people don't just go into ownership, not and not get an ROI at some yeah. point. Maybe he's playing the yep. long game. Mark That's Cuban what I did it pretty well, didn't he? Let me... Yeah, yes, indeed. He's made a bit of money. There's plenty of uh, guys and girls who have done well from it. Hopefully Nick Kyrgios is the same. Corey, let's, we've got to talk about it because I was excited. I didn't have anything on last night. I thought I'll lay down uh, on the bed and watch a little bit of TV. I'm going to watch the NBL. I'm, I've had enough of Felix on The Bachelor. I'm going to watch the NBL. <laughs> Shout out to Felix. And... Shout out to Felix. Good luck to him. Uh, he looks like a bit of a player at the moment. But if he can just <laughs> relax on handing out roses and multi multi dates and all that stuff, we'll be all good. Now the Brisbane Bullets, sixty seven to one sixteen. They got trounced, hammered by the Kings. We know the Kings are good. I'm almost ready to give them the chip already. But the Brisbane you Bullets, shouldn't do that. what on God's green earth is going on in Bris Vegas? Because it ain't Bris Vegas at the moment. Well. Before you finish that statement, you said you are ready to, to give the Kings. You shouldn't yeah, do I'm that. Ready. You shouldn't I'm ready. do that. We can go back. We can get back to that shortly. Yeah, we'll um, circle back. Okay. Um, we just shot our podcast episode nine up front. It's out tomorrow, and I posted the score, and I just said like, I'm going to talk about this in depth on this podcast, and mm. we, I went, I went. Here's what I'm going to say. When you see a result like that, these things happen. I've been I've been blown out before. I've been I've been blown yep. out before. But yeah, fifty points in a professional league, in a game where there's a forty minute game. I said, at this point, there needs to be the NBL needs to bring in regulation, meaning the top the bottom two teams. They need to go to NBL one, and the two winners of NBL one. No, it's not funny. Like that—that that happens in professional leagues all over the world. You I know, look all I over Europe. If you finish at the end, the bottom two, your ass is going second division. That's what needs to yeah. happen. Um, if I were, I'd blow up the whole thing. Blow up the whole thing. I'll bring back Gak. I'll bring back Mitchell. Everybody and and, and the, the best two young talented players the young like the dps everybody else yeah, i'm blowing yeah. it all up i'm blowing it up so they're gone how you get this yeah okay there's some contractual things that you're probably gonna have i'm to blowing it up there, but i'm blowing it up you lose uh, by 50 ugly. i'm it's, blowing it up yeah it's ugly i'm hearing that it's ugly uh let's okay now i said i'm basically ready to give the kings the chip i wouldn't do that can you please pres- present me a contender to the throne they played Cairns how many times? Three. They mm-hmm. lost to Cairns in Cairns. The first time yes. they played Cairns, they won at the buzzer. 
On the buzzer, they won. Yes. So I'm not convinced that that's the team that you don't want to see. Cans have their number. They play the same style of play. They got somebody that can match up with Dejan Vasiljevic. They got somebody that can match up with Xavier Cooks. Okay. Everybody else is the same. That's the team they don't want to see in finals. So that's you've changed your tune on Cairns then because you had some strong opinions on the Snakes after the Keanu Pinder injury. No, you, no, st- you no. still think that they – you said that they couldn't win it. No, no, no. I said maybe maybe he couldn't win MVP. Maybe I said something like that. But I never I don't recall I don't recall saying anything um negative about the Taipans. I just I'm actually surprised that when Kent when Pinder went down, they actually won four straight. That was that mm, was ex- they, uh, that was impressive. It was. Uh they've got a good crew there. Tajir McCall. He's bounced back to form. He's in he's in great form at the moment. They're pretty deep. They've got DJ Hoag's one of the more unsung heroes. So I, I, I like what you're saying, but yeah, give me Xavier Cooks and Derek Walton Jr. any uh, time, anywhere, any place, anything you want to throw at me, I'm taking the Sydney Kings. They look very, very good. Um, we need to get to the news because you said something uh, last <laughs> week, the week before, at some stage about LeBron James that we just can't let you walk into that studio and walk out without touching on it. So uh, you are here thanks to tyre power, nothing but net on Kumo tyres. Let's take the news, and then we need to talk about your statement about one of the best two basketballers that's ever played and the fact that he would struggle or not be able to score 30 points in the NBL. News, and we're back with that. Uh, We're here for Berwick BMW Start Your Year in a new BMW and, of course, make no mistake, we are also here for Bloodstone Rotoflex by Bloodstone Stability meets the freedom to move. Now, Corey Homicide-Williams, he's with us all the way through to 5 p.m., unless he storms out in the meantime. You, I don't want to misquote you here, so I'm going to ask you to repeat what you said. What did you say about LeBron James and his scoring average if he were to play in the NBL? How many points did you say he would not average? I said if LeBron James played in the NBL... And Euroleague, he could not average 30 points per game. But let me, let's me let be clear. I was just, Are you walking uh, that back? No, no. I mean, can, can I just say what I'm saying? <laughs> You're ready to go. I see. I understand. He's ready to I'm that guy usually. I know. I know. So basically, there's nobody in the NBL that can guard LeBron. LeBron would average no. probably about 45. 45. 40, 45 he'd average in the, in the NBL. Um, you know why? Because that's the closest international league that's respected that is similar to the NBA style of play. So he'll have – see, here's what people don't know. Aside from 10 things I can mention, the, the, the per possession per team, you get 90 touches in the NBA. The NBL mm. – you, is the closest. You get about 80, probably like 80 possessions, something, something like that. Those other leagues, high-level Europe, you get 70 to 75. That's 20 possessions less with eight minutes less time to play. NBA is 48. Overseas is 40. So you get 20 less possessions, eight less minutes. Let's put NBL aside. He would, he would, he would kill our league. There's nobody there to match up with him. Now let's go to EuroLeague. 
He couldn't average 30. It's a three-second rule. The the three-second rule is out the window. You can sit in the paint, right? I don't care who you are. You getting subbed out in EuroLeague. Them coaches, they got good players. They don't rely on one player. That's not the style of play there. Am I correct? Uh, Yes, you are correct. Okay. You think them referees is going to blow the whistles like they do in the NBA for LeBron? You crazy. Probably not. No, what do you mean probably not? You crazy. I would. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's so many different Um, variables. The ball's a little bit different. The court's a little bit smaller. Exceptional hooper, but at 30 years old, LeBron James is not averaging 30 points per game in EuroLeague. Nobody does. Nobody in EuroLeague does. What about in his prime? Now, that's another question. That's another question. In his prime, Bron a killer in his prime. Hang on, how far off the, the how far the, off? He's thirty eight. James, yeah, I know. Prime? Don't worry about that. That's yeah, you know, that's just a number. It's just your birth certificate is purely a number. Have you seen the man? Thirty points per game in Euro League is not happening. I've seen him. Okay, okay. Well, let, well, well, well. <laughs> no, but he, he's still putting I'm up. Glad you said he's still putting up good numbers in the NBA. One hundred percent. And his his athleticism is down because he is 38 years of whoa, age. But whoa, so, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, he's on. not. Only just. Well, I think he's stronger and more powerful now. But he's in terms of like pure athleticism and burst uh, and speed, it, that's not where he's at 25 years of age. So, like, he so, ain't glued to the floor either. Yeah. But, <laughs> the, 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 so so what, what would make it harder for him? now then compared to in his prime i just think that it's a different game over there like we're gonna double you we're gonna get the they're gonna get the ball out of his hand because he's so great the spacing is not there that's there in the nba you are allowed to play one-on-one in the nba i was just listening Mm. to there was so many things out there on social media and it's not me talking like isaiah thomas was just i was just listening to something with isaiah thomas that used to be with the Boston Celtics, right? He was like runner-up for MVP or if he didn't get injured or whatever, right? Young superstar, he was a star. Borderline superstar for the Boston Celtics. He said, it's AAU basketball on steroids. That's what he called the NBA. That's the only league where you are allowed to play one-on-one and you are, these are some of the most unguardable people one-on-one and you're allowed to play one-on-one. The lanes are wide open. That's why you're able to get a million dunks, a million layups, like... No one plays defense till finals. Y'all know this. No one plays defense till when? Playoffs. These yep. numbers are inflated. No, that, Luca said. Luca said. I don't even watch NBA. <laughs> I watch EuroLeague. Why? Luca also He's said it's too yeah. easy. <laughs> you crazy. <laughs> Luca also said NBA is too easy. <laughs> NBA is easy to score. The man just had 60, 21, and 10. You ever seen a you ever seen a stat line like that? Never. No, no, not since you were playing. Not now a lifetime. Are you kidding me? Another day, how many people have forty? They dropping forty pieces like it's twenty. Yeah. Come on, man. Come on, man. Yeah, I'm hearing you. I haven't seen sixty, twenty, and ten since ever. you were playing at Rucker nah, back in the day. I never even dropped that. Let's. Shit. Let's, I mean, I ain't Luca, but you know what I mean. Like six. That's a hell of a stat line. Unbelievable. It's, it's but then when bad. you hear his it's, remarks, than, but then you hear his remarks. That's yeah, almost yeah, like yeah. disrespecting that, that, yeah. the job that he has. In fact, he is. <laughs> I don't even watch this. I watch EuroLeague. 
It's too easy here. He's disrespecting his yeah, job yeah, yeah. in front of y'all faces. He is. But fans can't see it. He is. He can say whatever he wants. He's Luka Doncic. Uh, Giannis too. Oh, Giannis said it too. Giannis said it too. He's European as well. <laughs> Europeans <laughs> are running the NBA. Let's, <laughs> let's get to a break. Nikola Jokic probably said it too. Jokic be smoking cigarettes. Jokic got himself in shape. Come on, man. <laughs> Um, uh, I want to. I want to speak about. Uh, I want you to listen to what Simon Mitchell had to say about Mitch Creek and not getting some calls because I reckon you suffered some of the same stuff when you were getting to the rack for the Townsville Croc. So, quick break, and we're going to come back with Simon Mitchell and Mitch Creek on the other side. Oh, I think it falls throughout the league. Some of the the, the stronger players, um, you know, when they're, when they're matched up favourably uh, down in the block, they, they they receive a little extra treatment. Um, so I think that's probably something throughout the league. It's, it's, it's not just exclusive to Mitch, but it's something that uh, we certainly want to see rectified. Uh, welcome back to The Run Home. Josh Jenkins, Adam Cooney, and the 2010 NBL Most Valuable Player, Corey Homicide-Williams, if you do not mind. Uh, Corey, when you were at the peak of your powers, you like to get downhill and get to the rack and finish strong. But you're a strong dude. You played at about 100 kilos, I think. Uh, did you ever feel the same as what Simon Mitchell's saying, that because you're strong, sometimes you would get fouled, but the referees would just assume that, you know, he's a big, strong guy, he could handle it, and you would miss out on some calls because of that fact? 100%. And also, there was a lot of charges that weren't charges. Because I went to the basket and I would overpower my opponent, you know, some of them would flop all the time, and the referees would yeah. would reward that. And it would be a frustrating thing. But, you know, as, as a good player, you're going to have to adjust. You know what I mean? That That's just what it is because bitching and complaining ain't changing nothing. So, you know, as have a you, player I'm talking about, like me as a player, I'm yeah. not talking about Simon Mitchell's comments, but I'm just saying, like, that's what happens. You know what I mean? You just got to go on to the next play or figure out a way to – um, keep moving after that or adjust. You know what I mean? So that's what that's what he's mm-hmm. going to have to do. Do you like to hear that from a coach? Sticking up for his player? Yeah, for sure. You need to know that your coach got his back, got your back, and you know, you'll actually go harder with knowing that you have the support from uh, the organization, the coach, and your teammates. Uh, a big doubleheader tonight. We oh, to Scott, wow. Scott Roth yesterday. The Breakers and Melbourne United, mm. and there are a lot of teams who just have to win these ball games. They have to win these ball games, and then at seven thirty, Tasmania host Adelaide. Uh, let's start with the Breakers and Melbourne United. Uh, uh, the Breakers just going to be too good at home. Can Melbourne upset and pinch one of these games that they really got to pinch? You know what? Um, my tune has not changed regarding Melbourne United. The fact of the matter is, they're just too good right now, but it's too late. Too good, okay. too late. They're going to just miss out. Um, the best thing that Melbourne United need to do is, of course, obviously go hard and attempt to. Um, but, like, Lightning needs to strike three times in the same place for them yep. to get in. Like, some craziness got to happen with all the other teams, right? Will they win tonight? Uh, I don't hard. think so. I don't think so. Mm. Especially with New Zealand coming off a tough loss in Perth. Uh, I think Melbourne United need to hurry up and re-sign Marcus Lee. He's been great for them. Every game mm-hmm. he's gotten better. And I think they need to hurry up and re-sign Ray John Tucker and give him an NBA out clause. That guy, if he came into the league like he's playing right now, 
he could be MVP of the league. Hmm. Because this situation would be different. They would have been winning a lot. Right? If they had this team now in the beginning of the year, easy. Like, that you, that's championship contending team for sure. You didn't mention the third import. Is he getting re-signed or are we looking at our options there with XRM? I think uh, the way it started is he's in a tough space. He's in a tough space because the way it started due to Shea Illy being injured – he steps in, plays heavy minutes. His numbers are, he's leading the team in, in damn near everything, right? Mm. And then Shea Illy, but they're losing. But Shea Illy comes back in, steadies the, not only steadies the ship, they begin ascending. So his minutes get cut ridiculously, right? He went back to the role mm. that he was brought here to play in the beginning. So it's hard to see like, damn, you know what I mean? I'm putting up these numbers, doing my thing. But now I'm not even having that real opportunity again, and it's a, it's a tough position to be in. So um, I personally believe, you know, that that re- not relationship, but after his contract, I think he's going elsewhere. We don't often see Melbourne United in this position. Never. Uh, and you're saying that the roster they have now is the, sh- the strongest it has been for for a long period of time. No, what, no, what I mean, put, I mean this, I mean, this season, season. This season, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, this season, of course. So what do you put that down to? What's your theory on? fall away from United. I just think that the way it began, they had the wrong import in, right? You got Shaley injured. You got the wrong import in Jordan Caroline. Um, Tucker wasn't hitting the perimeter shot. It takes time to adjust. You're not just coming and hitting the ground running with so many key players um, either injured or not in form, right? You you lose the best three local players locals you could have had yeah you didn't plan on losing jack white you didn't jla you knew was was leaving but delhi like and it happened late in the Mm -hmm. in the off season which means what you can't fill those spots that quick those are unfillable spots so that was the biggest issue in the first place so um i think they're really good though right now but it's just too late yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hearing you. Uh, just quickly, because we're going to get to a break, we've got to let you go. You've got places to be, people to see. Uh, the How'd you know that? Because you always do and you <laughs> yeah. always have. Yeah, we're on the uh, move too after this. We're on the move. <laughs> Tazzy, Tazzy hosting Adelaide. This is an interesting game. In a sentence, who wins and why? Whew. Flip a coin, mate. Flip a mm. coin. And I ain't the flip a coin kind of guy, but like <laughs> Adelaide, they need this win. Right? Yeah. And, and – yeah. Tazzy, Tazzy's a good team. You know, I, I in the beginning of the season, I gave you guys, not you guys, but I gave Australia, I'll say, 10 reasons why to believe in the Jack Jumpers, and we're seeing it. We are mm. seeing it. They have a chance to potentially finish top four. And, wow. uh, you know, them at home, right? They're at home, right? They're at yeah. home tonight, yeah. Yeah, they're at home. They're, they're tough. You know, they're coming off a bad loss. Melbourne United went down there and handled business. I've never heard that arena that quiet in its inception of that that organization. So I know they'll be up and about today. Uh, so New Zealand hosting Melbourne United at 5.30 and then at 7.30 Tasmania hosting the Adelaide 36ers. Corey, you've been here thanks to Tire Power where three-pointers are worth four Kumo tyres. Buy three, get one free mm. at Tire Power. You've been superb. I wish we could have been in the same building, but maybe this time next week we will be. Thanks to you, and uh, good luck with the people you're about to go and see and do whatever else with. Shaking hands and kissing babies. You know me. <laughs> Fellas, we love it. absolute we love pleasure. It. 
Absolutely. Have a good one. Talk to you. Peace. Corey Homicide Williams, our guest. We'll be back on the other side to wrap this baby up. Uh, I'll tell you what, we're almost uh, we're almost done. 4.58 p.m. of a Thursday afternoon, and uh, my week is uh, about to come to a close, Mr. Cooney. Who are you working with tomorrow? I've got no idea. I think I might do the show solo tomorrow. Right. Just to really give the right. people three well, hours of power something. <laughs> First eight minutes will go all right. I might run out of it's chaos. Absolute chaos. You've got your business shirt on. You're all kitted out, ready for a night at Packenham. I swear this shirt fit me a little better the last time I put it on, but uh, (laughs) too many long macchiatos. Uh, Oh, you're working with uh, Miles Fitzner tomorrow. a man very happy with his own work. So that'll be a good day for you, Uh, Adam. Are you familiar with uh, Miles's work? Two men at the top of their game at the moment, both killing it in their respective industries. Him uh, on SEN track and me uh, doing some gardening down in Geelong. <laughs> Is that the plan tonight? You're uh, off to do a bit more gardening on the Husqvarna? I'm actually looking at a new caravan tonight for the Cooney family. Cause we've wow. Because we've our old one, so I've got to upgrade. Things must be going well in your part of the world. Uh, that's pretty much it. For us, or that is it for us. We've got about 20 seconds to go. Tomorrow, Miles Fitzner and Adam Cooney. It's going to be unmissable uh, radio, not TV. If it's TV, it'll be uh, uh, unmissable from that perspective as well. But thanks for all the calls on the 40 Wings Temper Text. Thanks for your calls and texts and everything else. We'll chat to you again later.